We on? Yeah. Hey, um, I'm so glad to see you all tonight on this uh, thundering, rainy night, but um, I'm here to do a few things. One is, I want you guys to fall in love with Israel. I'm, I'm a matchmaker tonight. I'm going to try to get you all matched up with Israel. And on the screen is, is a good reason why. You know, that's one of the most awesome scriptures in the Bible. Um, so if you wonder what God thinks about the Jews and about Israel, you can just check that out plus hundreds of more scriptures. So I want to help you fall in love with them. And now you can't fall in love with someone or something you don't know much about. So my job tonight is um, to help teach you guys uh, about the birth of Israel. We're going to talk about the, the birth of a nation, something that has never happened in this way in human, humanity's history. So it's really amazing when you really get into the details. So uh, I don't know if I'll be too detailed tonight or not detailed enough, but we can always come back and, and redo uh, next week. But what I'm, uh, by the way, if you have any questions while I'm discussing something, hold your hand up and I'll address it right then. Um, I'm set up with my notes to where we're going to talk till it's 8 o'clock and then quit and uh, we'll resume next time. Although, um, with everything that's happening in the world, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure next week I'm going to get into Ukraine and Russia and Gog and Magog and Ezekiel 38 and 39 um, about the war, if you don't know about it, that is coming. Uh, when Russia and several other nations uh, invade Israel. Um, it's really interesting what's going on in Ukraine. And my allergies are uh, acting up, and so I'm not contagious. I've had two negative COVID tests in two days, so, but I have a lifelong history of allergies. So anyway, um, the miracle of Israel is their return to, to their original homeland. And why is it a miracle? Uh, it's very, very important that we as Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians understand <clears throat> that this is something <clears throat> that is truly a miracle and something God wants us to know. And he says that over and over in the scriptures. Um, the majority of churches do not teach Bible prophecy or the importance of Israel and the Jewish people. Yeah, Arvel. Yes. That is the, the whole That's, No, actually, in Genesis, when, when God tells Abraham, <clears throat> Abraham the amount of land that he's going to give him, it far exceeds what Israel is right now. Yeah, it, it far exceeds it. It goes down into Saudi Arabia and I think Iraq. So it's a lot more land than where they are now. And uh, we're going to see just how much land they have now here in a minute. But uh, that's a good point. Uh, the, um, when you think about the return of the Jews after 2,000 years of dispersion around the whole world, it truly is a miracle. And I really want to give you some ideas on that. One is the ability for a country to come back together when they've not been together for 2,000 years. And here's what happened. In the year of 70 A.D., uh, the Romans came into Jerusalem and totally destroyed Jerusalem. They tore down the temple 
just like Jesus told the disciples uh, as he was sitting down at the, uh, the base of the Mount of Olives, which is that hill right past the Temple Mount. And um, he said, no stone will be left upon another. And that's true. The Romans actually burned the temple. The gold that was in there all melted and ran down into the cracks. And the Romans pried those huge stones apart to get to the gold. And truly, no stone was left standing on another, just like it was prophesied. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of things, prophecies that have already come true. But when you think about how does a nation come back, think about this. Think about all the empires that have ruled the world, the whole known world in the past. The Babylonian Empire, which was centered around Iraq right now, it, it was huge and vicious and took over, again, the whole new world. Where are the Babylonians today? You can't go down to the quick stop and find a Babylonian. <laughs> you know, they're nowhere to be found. Okay? What about the Roman Empire? I think you all are aware how much of the world the Roman Empire controlled. Most of it. Yeah, absolutely. For hundreds of years. The known, the known world. And that's a good point. Um, you can't go to McDonald's and find a Roman. You know, they're not around anymore. The Persian Empire, and I could just go on and on, but you get the point. No other nation in human history has ever been dispersed and come back together, and that is a miracle, and God performed that, and he performed it to make the point that he is God. So very important that you guys realize that. Now, we, we talked a little bit about their dispersion uh, the last visit, and I'm going to touch on it again. Um, the, in 70 AD, they came and basically they had to go or die. And what happened when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem is horrible. Estimates vary, but an average number is right in Jerusalem area, about 750,000 Jews were murdered, slaughtered with swords and spears and a really gory thing. Um, the, um, the historian that recorded a lot of this, his name was Josephus. And Josephus really left a lot of history for us. He uh, is an interesting guy. He's, he was Jewish, but he kind of came over to the Roman camp. But he wrote down a lot of history that occurred during that time. Um, he does make a reference to a guy called Jesus in a, in a little bit, by the way. But um, it was terrible. Uh, he writes that the slaughter was so horrible in the temple, the blood from inside the temple was running down the steps of the temple like a river. And it was so slick that they were just pulling bodies across it on the stairs. Horrific scene. I mean, children, women, everybody, it didn't matter. So the Jews had to leave. And there's a word uh, for their dispersion. Um, it's called the diaspora. Ah, that's a good picture there of a, you know, a medieval print of perhaps what it looked like at that time. But the uh, diaspora, D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A, and that's the term that um, pertains to the dispersion of the Jews. And so it's a new word for you. Um, there are many, many verses about the return of the Jews to their original homeland. Let me read a few of them. And, yeah, that's a, kind of a, another picture. It's showing 
them leaving uh, Jerusalem. Um, I'm just going to read oh, four, three, three verses. Uh, Jeremiah 13, God says, Therefore, and this is because that Israel disobeyed God. I mean, God, you know, made it good for the Jews, but, you know, they disobeyed him. We've heard that story before. But in Jeremiah 13, God says, Therefore, I will scatter them like drifting straw to the desert wind. In Deuteronomy 4.27, the Lord says, The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. So few in number. The Jews are always the minority wherever they've gone, whatever country that they've gone to. And they've gone to every country in the world, by the way. Um, Ezekiel, do you have that one? Yeah. Um, so they will know that I am the Lord when I scatter them among the nations and spread them among the countries. Zechariah 10.9, I really like because of the last part of it. When I scatter them among the peoples, they will remember me in far countries and they with their children will leave and come back. And so they will come back. Um, all right. So we would not have our Bible if it were not for the Jewish people. We would not have it. They're the ones that recorded the Old Testament, or what sometimes we refer to as the Hebrew Scriptures, which I kind of prefer. But uh, they wrote it. They, and they kept writing it through centuries. The, the Jewish scribes that copied one scroll to another empty piece of parchment or whatever, they had to be so precise as they were copying it. You know, there, there were no printers back then, no computers. It was all done by hand and a lot of it beautiful handwriting. If only a punctuation mark was wrong, they'd have to destroy the whole scroll and start over. And can you imagine writing out the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. It's quite a bit of work. Um, the other reason we would not have our salvation, you know, we, we are grafted in to the Jews. Thanks be to God, we are. And you all know that story, and I won't get into all those scriptures, but we are grafted into that family that God chose as his people. So that's the Israeli flag up there. And now I want to talk about modern-day Israel a bit. So, you hear Israel all the time. You know, you see it in the news, you, it's all over, you hear about it, you hear about this mighty nation that's uh, terrorizing the Palestinians, and that's for another talk sometime, maybe. We might talk about that. But what if I told you that this mighty nation had 2,000 main battle tanks, over 600 aircraft, standing army of 173,000 active soldiers, and a reserve army of 465,000 civilians. And Israel does. It's mandatory in Israel that men and women both serve uh, at the age of 18. Uh, the women for two years, I think, and the men for three. But then they go into the reserves, and it's an incredible reservist force. I mean, they train all the time, and so it's something that when they need more personnel, they can call them in, and they're ready to go. So, how big is Israel? How big do y'all think it is? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's kind of a rhetorical question. But, um, Hunter, let's show them how big Israel is. So, yeah, soak that in for a minute if you didn't know. That is how big Israel is right there. Um, Arkansas has 53,179 square miles. Israel has 8,550 square miles. And that's it, guys. That's all the land that they have right now. So, as you probably know, they have enemies on all sides uh, that have threatened, you know, promised to throw them into the sea and kill all the Jews and take over that country. And when the Palestinians are all wanting more land, um, it's really, we'll see in a map in a minute how much land that the Arab states have compared to how much land the Jews have, and it's kind of silly. Why don't you hit that next slide, Hunter? This also puts in perspective um, how big Israel is compared to the United States. So when you look at that military force that I just talked about, and they have nuclear bombs, you know, that's the worst kept secret <laughs> in the world. Uh, they don't admit to them, but they probably have 80 to 100 nukes right now in a way to deliver them, which um, we're going to discuss. But the country is very small. When you're there, I mean, you can travel from one side of the country to the other in, in an hour almost. Um, and so they don't have any land to give. Have a population of around 9 million people right now, a little less, and they want more. That is a homeland for every Jew in the world to go to because they don't have any other to go to where they can feel safe and belong. So um, let's go to the next one. I know that is, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a slide just to show you a few things. Um, that's Israel today. I've circled some things in red up at the top. That's the Golan Heights. And if you check the news very often, <clears throat> you've heard that term, the Golan Heights. And it's really critical strategic land for Israel. And it is a heights. Down below, there's a plain where farmers are working, and um, it's very fertile down in that area. Um, and so the heights are just that. It's, it rises up really high. I'm not sure how high. Probably 1,200 feet, I'd guess. And it overlooks all that area. Now, when the Syrians, and Syria is the country off to the right, um, had control of the Golan Heights, they put their cannon up there and just lobbed shells right down, you know, like, <laughs> like ducks in a barrel, uh, on the Israelis down there trying to farm. And so the Israelis um, were able to gain control of the Golan Heights and the war of 1967, and they're going to hold on to it. That's a very contentious uh, piece of property there. Uh, another thing to note, bottom left, circled in blue, you hear a lot about the Gaza Strip, and that is the Gaza Strip. It's a very small part of land, and it's 100% Arab. Um, no Jews live there. Uh, again, area of contention all the time. I think yesterday they fired a rocket or two into Israel. Uh, just above, and it's very congested, the population is huge for a, a landmass that small. But again, I get back to the surrounding Arab countries that if they wanted to, they could bring those people in 
I'm getting kind of off what I intend to talk about, but they have room and land and richness to bring those people in and make them <laughs> wealthy beyond what they ever thought and a house and everything else, but they don't do it because they want them there stirring up the pot. So I'll leave that at that right this minute. But uh, it's, uh, it's an area where a lot of terrorists come from. Um, Israel, oh, the green. That's real important, too. You see Jerusalem right in the middle. Jerusalem is up in the mountains. You know, as the scripture says, we'll go up to Jerusalem. You literally go up uh, from the coastal plain. Uh, it's a pretty steep drive up there. Uh, they've got it four-lane now, so it's better. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's really good. Hunter does miracles back there. I tell you what, that, that guy, <laughs> amen, right, Marty? <laughs> He's a miracle worker. <laughs> Anyway, it's a, it's a really, in that short distance, it's a pretty steep climb. I think Jerusalem is about 1,200 feet above sea level. Um, so that's where it is. Now, you see that green line. It actually goes right through the middle of Jerusalem. That is the notorious West Bank uh, in the green. And uh, it's, again, contested land. <coughs> Israel gained it uh, in the War of 67 um, or 73. And... Again, it's, it's, it's Judea and Samaria, and that's what the Jewish um, politicians refer to it as, the biblical names, Judea and Samaria. So those are areas of land that just wanted to take the opportunity to show you. Uh, to the left is uh, Tel Aviv, which is a very modern city. Uh, you might think, you know, Israel is backward. It is not, which I'm fixing to... Uh, tell you some facts about modern Israel, but yeah, Tel Aviv has skyscrapers and nightlife, and <laughs> see, there's a saying, it says they, the Israelis pray, no, they play in Tel Aviv, and they pray in Jerusalem, so <laughs> it's, uh, I haven't uh, been into the nightlife over there, but <laughs> my knee replacement's doing pretty well, but I'm a little bit slow. Uh, seven weeks, seven weeks post-op, doing good. Um, here's some facts about Israel. You got this, it says, modern Israel is quite amazing. Israel was literally born in a day, as prophesied in the Bible, May 14, 1948. Israel is the only nation that uses a previously dead language as its native tongue. And this is rather amazing, too. The um, Hebrew died out. Um, when the Babylonians expelled the, uh, the Jews from uh, their area in 586 B.C., they took up the native language of Babylon, which was Aramaic. And Hebrew just died out. Jesus did not speak Hebrew. He spoke Aramaic. And so did all the other Jews there. But in, when the Jews started coming back to Israel, then um, a gentleman can't think of his name right now, um, he was able to revive that dead language. They didn't know how it sounded, didn't know how a lot of it was spelled, and it was revived. And that also is a prophecy. I don't remember where it is right now, but there was a prophecy that the language would die out and would be restored when the Jews came back to their land. Um, this is important. Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. It has a multi-party system, <laughs> which is really kind of messed up. Regular elections, I think they've had five elections in the last 18 months or something like that. It's 
Jewish politics. But anyway, uh, free media and a military under civilian rule. Israel is the only country in the Middle East where women enjoy full political rights. Israel has survived over 3,500 years despite 2,500 years of exile and severe persecution. You all know about the persecution of the Jews. Um, it's been horrible. Um, Israel's population, Jewish population, between 1915 and let's start of World War I and 2013, grew by 7,400%, and they want more. The government and the people there believe that every Jew in the world should come back to Israel, and they find ways to support them and house them and feed them. Um, there's an advertisement on television that I just kind of cringe at. It's when it shows, you know, older uh, Holocaust survivors that are, you know, starving, and I uh, just, it's, it's not like that. Anyway, I wouldn't, we're not giving money to that. Um, uh-huh. That's right. No. And, you know, I had, I had that picture, and I was going to put that picture of the Ethiopian Jews in, in the 747. It's a world record for the number of people that made a plane trip. And again, this tells you about the heart of the Jewish people. The Ethiopians, you know, that's a far piece away, um, part of the exile, they ended up in Ethiopia. And um, it was in the 1990s, I think, uh, that they uh, brought them back. I think they called it Operation Solomon. And El Al, the airlines of Israel, and uh, some other airlines flew down to Ethiopia and flew these, these Ethiopian Jews back to Israel. Um, and they took all of this. They had to do it really quickly because there were wars going on down there and uprisings. And they took all of the seats out of a 747, which is a huge airplane to begin with, and they packed them in there, no seats, sitting on the floor, and they had, I think, over a thousand people in there. And there is a scripture, I, I wish I could think of it, it's really cool, where it more or less says that when they come back, they'll come back with more than they're left with or something, I'm butchering it, but on the way there, a child was born. So there, was <laughs> there were more people arriving than left, which is pretty cool. But the picture, I'll uh, think about it, I'll get it and just show it. Oh, Hunter. <laughs> that guy, I'd take him for a, I'd take him for a son-in-law. I would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that gives you an idea of what they did. That's absolutely right, yeah. And what Shredda said, if you didn't hear, is, you know, they, they took their, Hunter, you're amazing, they took their scrolls and to Israel, and the ones that modern Israel had were identical to the scrolls that these, uh, these people brought back with them. And, uh, again, that's God for you. Um, this, uh, 
the next thing, talk about God blessing the Jews. Um, Nobel Prize winners, you know, you've got to be something special to win a Nobel Prize. And uh, this is really fascinating. Between 1901 and 2014, there were Nobel Prizes won. 23% of them went to people who were Jewish. Uh, so 23% of all Nobel Prize winners were Jewish. 23%. The population of Jews in the world is less than 1%. Dwell on that for a moment, okay? So you've got a population of less than 1%, and they're getting 23% of all the uh, Nobel Prizes. They're brilliant people. Israel has the highest ratio of university degrees to the population in the world. Israel has the highest density of startup companies in the world. Israel, with just 0.1% of the world's population, ranks first in the world for total expenditure on research and development. Israel created the first antivirus software for computers in 1979. Israel pioneered voice over internet pro protocol, which that's like Skype calls. Uh, Israel started drip and micro irrigation systems, and that's how they made the desert bloom. Um, it produces 93% of its own food requirements. Now again, we're talking about a place that was a desert, you know, just 70 some years ago, an absolute desert. And they have developed, uh, no, I'm sorry, about 150 years ago. Um, and this is really cool. Um, I'm gonna have to ask your farmers, you farmers what it means. Israel's average annual milk production per cow is the highest in the world. There's you know, there's a trivia point for you. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm battling that thing. Um, so, <laughs> I, I don't know where that fits in the big scheme of things, but I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> so, anyway, it's a, it's a blessing. That's right. So, uh, we're going to go back and talk about the Holocaust. It, it's a horrible thing, uh, but we've got to talk about it because of the Holocaust, is one of the reasons that the Jews are in their homeland today. Um, the Jews have been persecuted forever, um, all around the world. It's nothing new. But to really fully understand what motivated the post-World War II Jews and world leaders to finally have a homeland of their own, the Holocaust played a big role. So as horrible as it was, and you know, a lot of Jews said, where is God during the Holocaust? Um, it had a, a good effect. 90% um, of the Jews in Poland were exterminated. 90% of the population. A uh, total of 6 million Jews in Europe were killed. Um, I, um, Liberta and I went to Dachau, which is one of the uh, camps in, um, in Germany when we were there last, and it's just sobering. I mean, they've got the ovens, you know, where you can look in and uh, the barracks and the workplaces and it's, it's just gut-wrenching. They went down in the showers. You know, they were told they were going to get showers and there were no drains in the floor and they just pumped in the poison gas. 
and killed them and uh, then had to get them out and burn them. Um, got three slides here. Uh, there could be a million, I guess, but I just chose three. Uh, that's one picture of um, obviously shoes, piles of shoes. Um, Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem, and you could spend a day in there or more. It has grown so much, Shredda, since you and I were there. I mean, it's just huge. Huh, yeah. It's, uh, you don't see anybody smiling or joking or laughing as you walk through there and looking at these pictures and exhibits, and, you know, they have piles of shoes that would literally fill this area right here this tall. Um, pretty sobering pile of bodies, you know, like cordwood. Um, I don't have to say anything about that. And then this next one, to me, is one of the most sobering pictures of all. Uh, this picture just gets me. And it's just, um, that's what went on. Um, what can you say? Six million Jews, for no reason other than being Jewish. Um, the pictures of, you know, men, women, and children going down into pits, and then the Nazis just machine gunning them. And they, know what, they knew what they were going into. They had no way they could escape. It's like, okay, this is the end. Big question in the Holocaust is where, where was God? Where was God? Why did God desert us? And that's a tough question. I think we all know that. That's a really tough one. So World War II ended, and the survivors had nowhere to go. I mean, nowhere to go. They're... Homelands had been just leveled by Allied bombing in World War II. You know, you've seen what uh, Ukraine cities look like now. That's pretty much what all of Europe looked like at the end of World War II, just bombed into oblivion. So they had no homes, nowhere to go. So they started kind of slipping into what is now Israel. And I, I said slipping because the, the British controlled Israel at that time. And the British had a problem trying to deal with the Jews that were already there and then the Arabs in the surrounding countries. And there was a lot of civil war type stuff going on and infighting. The British kind of sided on the side of the Arabs more than they did the Jews. And they did not allow um, tens of thousands of Jews to come into Israel. Uh, it's called Palestine at that time. You see the title on that paper up there, the Palestine Post. And that's what it was called um, when it was printed back then. Then soon after Israel came back to the land, they, called, they changed it to the Jerusalem Post. And uh, I used to subscribe to the, the international edition, get one a week every Monday. And, of course, now it's all digital, which is not as much fun. But um, I... Uh, so those of you that were here last time, I mentioned my rabbi friend, Esor Ben Sorek, and uh, the way we met was through this paper. Um, there was an editorial comment in there, a letter to the editor, where this <laughs> rabbi had written in and really calling Christians bad names. I mean, you know, we're terrible, awful, and, you know, all that. Now, I did not know that this was one of the chief rabbis <laughs> in Israel. I had no idea. It's Rabbi Berkowitz. So anyway, I didn't like what he said because he implied that all Christians hated the Jews. And I knew that was wrong. So I wrote 
<laughs> the Jerusalem Post, and they actually printed it, and I more or less said, Rabbi Berkowitz, uh, you know, I do understand that Christians are guilty in killing Jews throughout the centuries. Uh, it's another talk we could talk about, but not now. Um, but yeah, Christian anti-Semitism has been horrible through the Middle Ages and terrible. But um, anyway, but I want you to know there is a generation of believers now that truly love the Jewish people. And more or less, that's what I said. And uh, Randy Russell, Lake Village, Arkansas. <laughs> so Esau in Manhattan, or Long Island, saw that, and he wrote a letter. Thought the only address he had was Randy Russell, Lakeville, Arkansas, and wondered what a, you know, crazy Gentile guy was doing writing a letter like that. And so I replied, and that's how we became friends. Dear, dear friends for decades. Right, exactly. You can tell how long ago it was. <clears throat> but anyway, that's, that's how we got started. Um, so, all right. What did Mark Twain say about Israel? And um, he was there in 1867, and this is what he saw of the Promised Land. He eventually wrote in his book called Innocence Abroad. This is how he described the Holy Land. He said, the further we went, the hotter the sun got, and the more rocky and bare, repulsive and dreary the landscape became. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. We traveled all day and never saw another human being. So that was the previous land of milk and honey. But what happened when the Jews left... The land died. They were the source of life in that country. The land literally withered away, which was also prophesied. And what was not desert was swamp. There was swamp up in the Galilean areas. It was just marshy and terrible. And so as the Jews were coming back before the state was born, they came in and they formed these collective communities called kibbutz where you, it's kind of like almost a communist type thing where, you know, everybody works for the center and everybody gets food from it and like that. But that's what started Israel. And because of the kibbutz, um, when the war started uh, in 1948 that made Israel finally a true nation, it was the kibbutz in many ways that, <laughs> that held the Arabs uh, away as much as they could. So, seven fifty-three. Let's stop right there, and I want to play a. You have the Jerusalem of Gold, All right? Okay, this is a really pretty love song. Since a more or less to me, it's a love song. I started this by saying I wanted you to <coughs> fall in love with Israel. I think it's a love song, Jerusalem of Gold, and what it refers to. Uh, Jerusalem uh, is the city's. Um, the buildings are made of stone that's quarried there fairly locally. It's, um, I think it's limestone. But in the, when it's sundown or sunset, the whole city has a golden hue to it. And this is a song that's uh, written about that. And uh, it's about six minutes long. So 
I'll stay. If you have any questions, come on up. But I want to be really good about letting you all out at 8. So go ahead, Hunter. Oh, the, uh, when, you, when you see... Gethsemane, the Church of All Nations, welcome to the middle of it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yes. Did you sing along? <laughs> you want to be in the tongue if you sing along. <laughs> Amen. Have you enjoyed tonight's talk? Amen. Are you learning? Thank you. Amen. Because you know, if you if we like you said earlier, if we if we don't learn, if we don't know, it's hard to fall in some in love with something or someone. You don't know something about. Right. And so thank you so much You're for your sharing your wisdom with us yeah, and your knowledge. It's, uh, it is refreshing. I'm excited to see what God is going to do as we learn to love more of Israel. Amen? Yes, amen. Amen. We need to show far now. Yeah. Can you blow it? Right. No. I've tried. It just comes out the other end. <laughs> I used to have one. And I don't, where did our show far get off to? Didn't we used to have Yeah, we had. Yeah? Ooh. It's that big. Um, it's it's all about the, 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 the lips too. It it is. I mean, it's it's amazing. If you, if you know how to play them and know this, what they, how they uh, show far. It's a ram's horn. You saw it on there. It's a, it's a, there's different different blows for different things. Some's for war. Some's for victory. Some's for different things. So it's pretty neat. Uh, uh, neat instrument. Yeah. So don't forget, uh, Hunter. Can you help me with uh, when will this podcast be up? Tomorrow, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have a podcast. Every service has a podcast uh, from the church, even the Sunday mornings. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, you listen to it. <laughs> I love our, he said, what's that? What is a podcast? So you can go to. Hunter does it again. I know it. He's, he's good. You know, yeah, that's why I good. like this screen right here. Yeah, yeah, um, just go to the. If you have an iPhone, go to podcast and you can just search for. And they'll come up. There's 250 or 60 of them up there. So if you ever want to go back and listen to another message uh, from, from 250 of them ago, it was a lot of them. 
last 11 years or close to 11 years ever since. And so, anyway, uh, love for you to go, and, and you can listen to this over and over and over and over. Uh, amen? Let me bless you as we leave. Father, I thank you, Lord, for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the wisdom and knowledge of, of Dr. Russell sharing that with us. And, Lord, that the energy and effort and time that he has put in of studying such, um, such a, a central part of, of history, but yet the main part of our future. Lord, we thank you, uh, God, that we can be a part, and, Lord, that we're going to learn and understand how to better love um, Israel and be a part of what's going on there and how that's going to be a part of what's going on here. Father, we just ask that you would go with the people tonight, Lord. Bless them. Lord, be with them as they travel. Lord, we pray that they would find favor with God and man. And Lord, that peace would rest upon every rooftop tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone says amen, amen and amen.